the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello, everybody. I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to... Episode number four of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system. That's right. And today we're going to be talking about the rewriting of our history books. That's right, George. Today we're going to be talking about historical revisionism, literally the rewriting of our history to support a particular ideology that we're seeing more and more being imposed upon our school system. And Mark, this is very closely related to the topic we spoke about last week. It is. Critical race theory. That's right. And uh, you, you had mentioned at that time that um, critical race theory as a worldview, as a subset of critical theory, um, basically turns the whole paradigm, right, for um, America. And it's a worldview in and of itself. And because of that, um, they have to go back and reinterpret all of history through that lens. They do. And that's really what's going on with historical revisionism. So this is the weaponization of critical race theory into uh, infiltrating our public school system. How do we change the mentality of kids growing up? How do we change the mentality of society itself? Well, we have to do that through education. Abraham Lincoln, we've quoted this before, Mm -hmm. says that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. So what better way to do that than to teach kids the worldview that you want them to have in order to change society? So this is a big say what moment for me, Mark, because you just mentioned some key words here that I want our listeners to understand. Weaponization. Yes. I mean, this is... This is warfare, it right, is. happening at the social level. Um, and if in the past uh, parents got, you know, ticked off and, and frustrated and angry, mainly about comprehensive sexuality education, yeah. which is the topic that POK has covered from day one. That's right. We want them to understand that in the public school system, they're not just being fed lies about, you know, the Soji worldview, uh, but that everything is being rewritten to um, match up to the critical theory worldview. Yes. So your child is no longer safe when they're going to their history class, uh, even when they're going to their science class, because naturally, even in science, you learn about history. That's right. History of science. Right. And so. 
um, everywhere, this topic and these topics that are espoused from this critical theory worldview are going to start to show up. So I want parents to understand that. And that's what I think we're trying to help them understand is that it's not just comprehensive sexuality education. It's not just critical race theory. There's also historical revisionism. And this stuff bleeds everywhere. Bleeds everywhere. And they're all interconnected. In fact, oftentimes they have similar messages. Um, even in critical race theory, we see the imposition of comprehensive sexuality education in the curriculums because they talk a lot about the marginalized LGBT community, mm-hmm. for example. So this is just one, one of many marginalized groups that has to be brought out of the oppressor class into uh, the, the class that does well in society. So they're all interconnected, George. All right. So help us understand, Mark, um, what, where did this all get started? I know, I know we talked about critical race theory last week and we, we went through some of the history, um, but there are like things like 1619 projects that probably parents have been hearing about and, and other things. Um, give us some of that history. Well, yeah, I mean, 1619 projects, that, that's probably one that people have heard that buzzword before. And uh, that's really where this thing began in earnest. Uh, mm-hmm. The 1619 Project was a series of articles that were published by the New York Times uh, in collaboration with a woman named uh, Hannah Nicole uh, Jones. And the the articles uh, produced the idea, it spun the idea that America was not based on the the three um, uh, things that we see embedded in our coins, in God we trust, Mm -hmm. ordered liberty, e pluribus unum, but rather by the slave ship that came over in 1619. To Jamestown. Well, actually, a a town, it was in West Virginia. Virginia. It was close to Jamestown. But, um, and there were, there were, indeed, that was a slave ship. I can't remember the exact name of it. But, the premise of the 1619 Project is that that is really America's founding, not the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and the values that are embedded in the Declaration of Independence, but based on the slave ship coming over and everything that happened subsequent to that. And they foment the idea that America is really based on a slaveocracy, and it's never changed, and it's still with us. So that that was where it began in earnest. But now, as a result of that, we're starting to see entire curriculums that are being written based on the 1619 Project, but also what happened last year with the riots, uh, mainly the BLM riots that happened in city after city after city. In fact, uh, Black Lives Matter as an organization have put out their own teaching curriculums for the ideas that are espoused in the 1619 Project. In fact, there are three three main curriculums that we see at work today. One is the the BLM uh, curriculum. In fact, I think the first place that, that we saw that roll out was in Buffalo, New York, but it's, it's spreading across the country now. Learning for Justice is another curriculum from the Southern Poverty Law Center, which used to be a great organization, but now it's been weaponized. weaponized it's been weaponized <laughs> as well. But here in California, George, the big one now is the Ethnic Studies program that the California Department of Education just passed the framework. And in fact, there's a law pending now in our California legislature to make it a required curriculum to uh, graduate from high school. 
So, Mark, I want us to help parents understand what the 1619 Project is not, because I think going back to parents, step one, being informed so they know how to fight back. Yes. Um, The 1619 Project is, number one, not an uh, academically rigorous, um, whatever we want to call it, curricula. In fact, it was disproved as being completely false. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes. I mean, almost immediately after this thing came out, scholars started taking a look at it because the New York Times is a very prestigious newspaper, at least uh, it, it used to be. And so when they print something, particularly in a series of articles, you know, the world stands up and take notices, takes notice, including eminent scholars, including the National Association of Scholars, which poured through these articles. And what they first noticed is there were essentially no footnotes. There were no references to anything that was being espoused in these articles. And since then, uh, uh, key academics have thoroughly refuted basically all the premises in the 1619 Project. Georgia Salai. Yeah. There's really nothing to it. Now, certainly what, slavery is not a lie. That's one of America's original sins. Yep. And we paid a great penalty for it, and we still are today. But the particular ideas as espoused in the 1619 Project have all been disproven. Yeah, complete so, fabrication. So parents, I think if you, you can just Google that, because I've Googled it myself, and you can come upon just tons of evidence disproving the 1619 Project. You know, the the other like the most laughable thing for me about it is that if there was a document pre Declaration of Independence, right, that is probably the most well-known and important, right, um, from America's history that clearly states what they believed in. Right. It would be the Mayflower Compact. That's right. Right. Exactly. And so when you read through that, you could quickly tell that nobody was establishing a new society or a new civilization based on slaveocracy. Um, so it's, it's laughable to me what the 1619 Project espouses. And the Mayflower Compact, what's so unique about that is that this was a document that was written voluntarily by the ship owners and the people on board the ship and the people that were risking their lives to come to the New World. Of course, they landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. and they established uh, what can be said to be the first working democracy in in the New World, arguably in in the world itself, which formed the basis of many of the principles that led to the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Well, Mark, um, we talked about the origins, and, and I think some of the other thing besides Hannah Nicole Jones, we spoke about critical race theory, um, Robin D'Angelo and Ibrahim X. Kendi, they also are very influential in this historical revisionism aspect. Uh, there's a number of personalities that have really uh, have pushed this forward in society. Robin D'Angelo is one of the first. Of course, she's with the University of Washington, and she wrote the bestseller, White Fragility. That's a mm-hmm. term that many of our viewers uh, have probably heard before. Uh, we've mentioned Ibram X. Kendi, not his uh, given name. That's a, a name he took on. He wrote How to Be an Anti- racist, and he's very prominent in in this movement. Uh, Richard Delgado wrote uh, Critical Race Theory, an introduction, and of course there's Kimberly Crenshaw, who defined the term intersectionality, and she's right in our backyard, George. She teaches at uh, UCLA Law School. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I didn't know about that one. Um, yeah, and I think the the other more, uh, I think, dangerous for me is especially when people proclaim to be Christian authors, um, and the, the Christian version of Ibrahim X. Kandi is uh, Jamar Tisby, who yes. wrote The Color of Compromise. And I tell you, Mark, after, I think it was like chapter two, I had to put the book down, because what I was doing was I was just highlighting phrases or sentences or entire paragraphs where he's making claims about things that are just unsubstantiated. unsubstantiated. Um, And a lot of times what you'll read in these books is you'll read about true facts of history, but then the next few paragraphs are their own interpretation of those facts. Yes. And that's where I think people need to really understand as they're reading these books is you're being fed a certain dose of facts, but then you have to really understand when you're reading interpretation of facts. There's definitely an agenda behind these things. So people have a presupposition. They have a, they have a place where they want to take people in their writing. So they have a goal behind it. But this has been thoroughly uh, refuted and castigated by people who are truly scholars, like the National Association of Scholars. Um, so I, I think, George, we should probably talk a little bit about why this is so dangerous uh, for society. Um, and there's, it reminds me of an old Soviet joke. Oh, you're hitting close to home here now. Well, uh, <laughs> the, the, the joke goes like this. And this, these were people in, in Soviet society. Um, who would often say, joking to one another, the future we know, it's the past that keeps changing. Mm -hmm. And we see that starting to happen in America in earnest now, where we we have a good idea of where we're going and we're running pell-mell into it. But to get there, we need to change the narrative of our past. We need to overturn the entire basis of American society. And the way to do that is introduce these new, these new narratives, these new teachings in, into grade school, if we can. Starting with high school, but moving it down as early as we possibly can. And George, what's really insidious about this, it's a complete lie. It's a complete fabrication of, of, uh, of our history. And it's completely based on materialism, which is a failed worldview itself and has never produced anything good or beautiful or worthy of following in society. And yet that's what we see happening in our public school system. And I think the other reason why it's so dangerous, Mark, is you've talked about some of the curricula uh, that's going on. But one of the new buzzwords that we're starting to see in the school system and it, it's taking place everywhere. Like I see it in Planned Parenthood documents. I see it in Advocates for Youth documents, mm. all these nonprofit organizations that are flooding the school system with garbage. And it's the phrase action civics. What does that mean? I mean, it sounds noble, but what, do, what's, what does it really mean? This is this is very, very dangerous. Um, there is a movement afoot, George, to federalize education in the United States. Now, I mean, re- if you really want to go back in our history, all education was privatized, at least until the mid-19th 
century, uh, where our major universities started coming on. People like Horace Mann and John Dewey started instituting public schools and taking control, government taking control. But even then, it was local government. So it was local school boards, municipalities, uh, counties and states that were more or less responsible for education. Now we see a movement to federalize education as much as possible. Common Core, of course, was yeah. a great example of this that really took foot, took hold in, during the Obama administration. And even back then, George, in Common Core, it was, uh, civics education was discussed and they rejected it as being part, part of Common Core because this is this is too controversial. We can and start imposing our worldview in civics education as part of this federal mandate. Mm-hmm. But under critical race theory and historical revisionism now, we are starting to see that. So this idea of action civics is part of a federal government program to impose really making activists out of our children. Leftist activists. In fact, in some of these curriculums, you will get school credit, George, if you go to a BLM rally, a BLM protester. You'll get extra credit for attending these. This is now part of the curriculum in many of these uh, school systems. That is just preposterous. Um, And and Mark, under our current administration, I know there's a big push to fund a lot of this garbage. What, what, what is the Biden administration up to? Yeah, so there's a, there's a thing going on right now. In fact, it's, it was proposed by Chris Coons, who is a Democrat out of Delaware, but also uh, John Cornyn, who's a Republican out of Texas. Mm-hmm. And he may mean well by this, but it's called Civics Secures Democracy Act. And what it would do if passed is grant a billion dollars a year to programs specifically geared to write civics curriculums. But you know, George, in today's environment, these curriculums would not be based on the Declaration of Independence or the Mayflower Compact or our true American narrative. It would be based on these new principles based on critical race theory. And so an action civics becomes a part of this. So you can imagine a billion dollars a year now going to third parties, all with an agenda, rewriting our nation's history books to impose and federalize uh, a common set of uh, basically socialist-oriented education paradigms. And, and this is another part where I really want to help parents understand how this movement is funded. Uh, this movement, both on the comprehensive sexuality education side critical race theory side, historical revisionism side, we're constantly seeing federal funding that then gets, you know, dished out to the states. And then the states put out these grant programs. That's right. That, you know, 501c3s apply for them. And, you know, parents like you and me who have our regular day jobs and then trying to fight against all of this stuff, um, you know, we're we're strapped for time and yet the other side they figure out how to do this while being paid by our taxpayer dollars <laughs> they do in fact there's another organization called the national national assessment for educational progress 
And this used to be a watchdog for education, uh, educational programs. It is a federal program. And so th- this was sort of the policeman is Common Core, for example, really doing the job that uh, it, it was uh, originally crafted for. But now under the new paradigm, even the NAEP will be weaponized now to impose upon these these grant recipients, you need to follow the line here and introduce things like critical race theory into all these curriculums. And, and this is the other key strategy, Mark, because um, we talked about the funding strategy, right? Well, then there's also the, the you know, academic strategy and eliminating any of your enemies, um, watchdogs, uh, independent, you know, thinkers, right? So the other thing that I've seen is that, okay, um, you want the whole, you know, Soji worldview to penetrate the yep. school system. Well, what do you need? You need the teachers union to be on board. You need the State Department of Education to be on board. Uh, you would need, um, there's all of these other unions, the, um, the counselor, the teacher counselors union, the teacher school nurse uh, union, all of these, you know, the superintendent administration union, all of them have been infiltrated and they are all basically supporting. So that way n- there is no party. I think the only last standing opposition is the parental opposition. That's right. Um, and I, I don't want to discount any of the teachers opposition because I know a, a lot of teachers are against this. Um, but sad to say, we really haven't seen a teacher uprising. We haven't yet on on these two two subjects. Um, and so, if you are a teacher and you're you're happening to listen um, to this this podcast, um, we mean well. We have nothing against teachers. Uh, we want to see as many great teachers flood the public school system in an effort to redeem it. But we also want to challenge teachers. You have to stand up. You have to speak out about this. And we have been seeing teachers who are brave enough uh, speaking out about this, some of them unfortunately losing their jobs. Uh, in fact, I just heard from one of our sister organizations in Massachusetts about a teacher who stood up to this whole historical revisionism and critical race theory, yes. and she has been fired. And now she's in a lawsuit. Uh, and this just happened over the last month. So it, it's real, but we need to start standing up. So, Mark, I know we talk a lot about parents, but I really wanted to send this message out to teachers as well today that they are right there. They hear all of this stuff. Uh, they should be standing up big time for this. George, we're in the fight of our lives. We are fighting for the very soul and future of America as we know it. So that this demands, we are, we are in a state of our history that teachers, parents, concerned citizens, anybody who is aware of this, who feels strongly that we need to preserve America as we've always known it, this is the time to step up. There's a famous case called West Virginia versus Board of Education versus, excuse me, West Virginia Board of Education versus Barnett. It goes back to 1943. The Supreme Court said, if there's any fixed star in our constitutional constellation. It's that no government official can impose a form of orthodoxy. Mm. 
And yet that's exactly what we're seeing in taking place through historical revisionism now in our school system. And the only way to uh, fight back is to fight back. Parents need to stand up. Teachers need to start speaking out. And the good news is, is the courts now are increasingly receptive to First Amendment, freedom of assembly, a 14th Amendment arguments that push back against this imposition mm-hmm. of a foreign ideology into the school system. Uh, we talked last week about uh, William Clark versus uh, the Nevada Charter School yeah. System, where we're seeing some success. And recently there was a preliminary injunction that went our way. So parents should not be afraid to speak out, but they need to. They have to start speaking out. And we also want to caution to our listeners who might think that, oh, I am in a conservative state in Texas. I'm in Idaho. I'm here. I'm there. You're not safe. You are not safe. We are hearing this from all around the country. Um, And just recently in Nebraska, we've talked to some folks there and um, they're asking for you know, testimonies from parents in California. Yeah, that's because right. We've been experiencing a lot of these curriculum now for years. And so they want to present that as an argument against. But wherever you are, you have to speak up, you have to get loud, and you have to do something to protect uh, all children. So this is a wrap up, Mark. <laughs> time flies by. But thank you, everybody, for watching. Until next time. See you next time. You've been listening to Say What, the radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What.